Today is our last message in Acts, The Gospel Goes Viral. So we've been in this series for a few weeks, and we've looked through the entirety of the book of Acts. Last week, we talked more about Paul and more about what God did through Paul, um, through, through his life and his ministry with people in those days that still impact us even today. I'll tell you at the outset, I want you to have your phone ready or a pen and paper ready to take notes. Today is going to be an interactive message that I want you to take notes with, okay? Uh, It's going to be interactive in the fact that it requires your participation today. So not that my notes are going to be something amazing, life-changing, that you're going to have to write down these great nuggets of wisdom that can be quoted all over the internet, but that you're going to write down some notes today about yourself during this message that's going to be really helpful for when you share the gospel with someone that you know. Let me start by asking you this. Does everybody know what the word testimony means? Just nod your head at me, right? Okay. When we hear of the word testimony, we often think of things in a legal sense. It's when a witness takes the stand in a trial The witness is there, they're sworn in, they swear to tell the truth and nothing but the truth. They talk about either the character of a person that they know, or they talk about the actions of the person that is in question. So they might say, well, I met David three years ago. He's an incredible guy, never seems angry. He's always at peace. He's a little quiet, but he would never, ever have kicked that dog. And that's what he's been accused of. (laughs) So I would be a character witness and I would give a testimony to that fact. It could be mingled together, the character of a person as well as their actions. So we use that in the Christian sense or in the way that we use it here in the church would be that when we share our testimony, we're actually talking about what we have experienced, what God has done inside of our lives. And this is really important. I believe that it's one of the primary, if not the primary way that the gospel goes viral. It's a little late to be asking this question, but if you've been saved by grace because of Jesus Christ, do you not have an obligation or a responsibility to share that love and hope with others? Absolutely, we do. Now, we've talked about the difference and what that looks like. It's not somebody standing on a street corner shouting Bible verses, but it definitely comes through us in relationship with others who don't know God finding out how awesome he is and what he's done in our lives that causes them to also experience that same life change. So when we talk about our story or our testimony, when it comes to our faith, we're going to talk about who we were before we met Christ and who we are now as a result of knowing Christ. This is definitely a primary way the gospel continues to go throughout the world. Not everyone will tune into a radio station and hear the message of the gospel. Not everyone will attend a church service. Even though millions upon millions of people have seen Billy Graham in a crusade over the years before he uh, passed away. 
not everyone has heard. And even though they've heard, that may have just been a, a seed that was planted in their heart and in their life. And so the people that we know, we have a responsibility to share this love and God's light and life with them. I want us today to understand a little bit about the Apostle Paul in this final message and about how he shared his testimony. The title of today's message is Your Story. Your Story. How many of you, just by nodding your heads at me, have ever written down your testimony? Anybody? Couple people, okay, that's a few of us. We've, we've written down our testimony. We know we have the details here. This is who I was. This is what God did. And this is how I am now. It's pretty, pretty simple when you think about it. But the key is to be prepared. I want you to see how simple and easy it is to share your story with other people. And I want to start in First Peter. I know we're in the book of Acts, but I want to start in First Peter. Chapter 3, the Apostle Peter writes it like this. He says in that second part, he says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's what's missing, gentleness and respect with those people who would shout Bible verses on the street. That is not gentle or respectful. So we need to think in terms of what Peter is telling people, that you should always be ready. I've shared this story before, and if my brother-in-law listens to this message, he'll smile. But I remember worship leading in a church in New Jersey and uh, being there leading uh, guitar and, and vocals and stuff like that. And he was leading worship at his church. And I remember talking to him about how do you pick the songs for you know this Sunday? Like, do you go through Bible verses? Is it something that just comes naturally? Do you say, oh, we haven't done this song in a while? Like, how does it work? And he said, oh, well, I've got the next several months planned out. And I said, how? How, how is that possible? What do you mean you have the next several months planned out? And it was in that moment that he started to help me realize that the Holy Spirit is an agent of preparation. I want to say that again. The Holy Spirit is an agent of preparation. He believes in preparing you. He believes in you being prepared, and he believes in the heart that you may speak to in that heart having been prepared with seeds sown and been watered over the years before that one moment where you get to have an exchange with that person. So it says in verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. In other words, Peter says you need to be ready because people are they're going to judge you, they're going to criticize, all of those things. But those who revile your good behavior in Christ, let them be put to shame. So we need to be prepared. If you're taking notes, you should write that down. Be prepared to share your story. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 22. We're going to read Paul as he shares his testimony in front of a group of people. Paul's testimony gets shared three times in the book of Acts. Once in chapter 9, again in Acts 22, and again in Acts 26. God provided Paul the ability to be able to share his testimony and his story 
with many people, including those who were religious leaders, including those who were political leaders. So he shares his story in Acts chapter 2, and we begin in verse 3. He says this, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, who is a famous theologian, if you want to give him that title. According to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. I want us to stop there for just a moment. You've got to realize that your background matters. I remember being a teenager and being kind of jealous when I heard people in church talk about their testimony. Well, I was a drug addict and I was heavy on medication and I, I was drinking day and night. And, you know, and I used to be like, that's awesome. And now you don't do that stuff. You're really saved. And I thought my testimony didn't mean much. You laugh because you probably felt the same at some point. So, but God's grace reached down to a pastor's kid who thought that he had it all together, who thought that being raised in church was good enough for him to get to heaven. God reached down to me in supernatural ways. And I could share my testimony and go on and on about what God did. But the reality was we should not... You should not compare your story with someone else's. And background matters. A story without context isn't really a story at all. If you don't give some context to what you're talking about. That's why we're big on that around here. In fact, it reminds me of a story that I heard a while back. A mother was boarding a flight and she had a child with her about five years old. And they get onto the flight, and before the plane even gets taxied to the runway, the child is in tears, just crying her little eyes out. Some passengers began to be annoyed, rightfully so, because they're thinking, I've got this whole flight ahead of me, we're not even off the ground, and this kid will not stop crying. So... They're judging the mom, thinking she's incapable of disciplining her kid. They're thinking, wow, what a horrible mom she is. She won't even correct them. And and so they're judging her, and they've got this attitude towards her. And they endured it as long as they could. And someone finally spoke up and said, woman, lady, you need to get your kid to stop crying. And she turned, and tears started rolling down her face. She said, I've tried to. But her father, my husband, just passed away. And we're on our way to see family and to be together. Well, all of a sudden, just like you hearing the story, the mood changed just like that. Because you have some context knowing that that five-year-old kid wasn't just crying because mommy didn't get a popsicle or a lollipop or whatever kind of thing. That this was a serious thing. And all of a sudden, people, their hearts went out to what was previously unacceptable. Context matters. So you don't have to give every detail of your life. But like Paul He starts to tell them that he was a Jew. He was brought up in this city where he's speaking, that he was raised in the manner of the law, all of those things in order for them to understand where he's coming from or where he has come from. Verse 4 says this. He says, I persecuted this way to the death, 
We talked earlier in the series, but if you don't remember, the way is capitalized there, and it was maybe an early moniker of like a name of what they called Christianity in those days. So he says, I persecuted those people to the death. I bound them. I delivered to prison both men and women as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. They can tell you this is true. From them, I received letters to the brothers and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and to bring them in chains to Jerusalem in order to be punished. So Paul is sharing where he's come from. When you share your story, it's important to give key details about who you were before you came to faith in Christ. It gives credibility to the life change that you've experienced. You may have always been a kind-hearted person all throughout your life. But when you met God, God did a special work in you that amped that up and changed you in a way. And so you've got to be able to talk about those key details. Verse 6, look at what he says. He says, As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me. This is important. It's a, it's a placeholder or it's a marker for them to understand. It was broad daylight. Surely the sun was out. But he says there was a great light or a greater light than even that shined right on me and all around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but didn't understand or hear the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. So he tells an, a pivotal story of how he came to know Jesus Christ. Paul says in one of his letters to the churches later, he says, and I am an apostle. It seems as if I was untimely born, but I met Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He talks about that because he knows that he had a supernatural experience. This is the moment that everything changed. Notice, I did not say this is the moment that everything got better. I'm trying to help you out. The good news is good news for us spiritually, but it doesn't absolve us from this world and all the troubles that we all face as humans. So we've got to understand Paul's life didn't get better. In fact, it was really good before he had that experience with God and it got way worse. Well, that doesn't sound very fun. It got way worse. In fact, and I read it to you recently in Acts, Paul says, I was, I was told or convinced by the Holy Spirit that I would face persecution in every city I went to. Why is that? God's just getting him back? No, it's for him to understand the grace 
from which he received that salvation and for him to walk in that. So here, as Paul is telling, he's laying out this testimony. Verse 12, it says this, And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, he was well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. And it goes on in verse 13, it says, He came to me and he stood by me and he said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. At that very hour, I received my sight and saw him. Now, if you've been paying attention, how many days was Saul without his sight? Hold up your hand, Brighton. Three days. Did you hear me just say that in this version of the story? No, Paul is not telling any shaded truths or half-truths. He's just getting to the point. He's just trying to help them understand. Yes, I had this experience. It changed my life. So it doesn't have to be something canned that you say every single time the same exact way to someone. But the point is still that Paul was sharing what God had done inside of him. And that he, it says, at that very hour, I received my sight and I saw him. And he said, the God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now why do you wait? Get up and get baptized. Amen. And so this story goes full circle. Paul is sharing about how he used to persecute and make fun of and chain these people up and drag them to prison. But the God of those people met him and changed his life. And now he literally has given his life in order to share his story and the story of the good news of the gospel to those in those far-flung places. So he tells us who he was before. He tells us how he came to faith. And of course, we know the details of what happened after this and how God used him in such a mighty way to carry the gospel. When Paul was sharing his story in Acts 22, it was resonating with those people. In the first two verses, which I did not share intentionally, of Acts chapter 22, as he begins to share, it says, and he was speaking in Hebrew. All of the people there, not all of them, but a majority of them were Jewish, and they heard this man speaking, who was a Roman citizen in Hebrew, and all of a sudden it resonated with them. It started to build some rapport with them. They realized they're Jews just like him, that he's speaking to them in a language that they can understand. Can I put a side note in here? Don't use weird Christian terms when you are sharing your story. I see a couple heads nodding. Don't be weird. Thank you, okay? Don't be weird when you share your story. Don't say, and then at that moment, the sanctification of my justification happened because of the glossolalia of the Holy One of, no, don't do that and be that person. Just be you. You just be you and share your story. All of those words are real words. You should look them up. Okay. So having said that though, he tells them his actions afterwards. So he's given his sight, then he's water baptized, and he becomes this great carrier of the gospel throughout the world. So what about your story? 
Think about that for just a moment. What about your story? Maybe it's been a while for some of us who nodded our heads and said, yes, I've written down my testimony before. Or I've shared it before and I, I feel good like I remember the details sort of thing. Maybe today we should brush it off and touch it up a little bit and make sure that it's fresh so that we can be ready for any moment that the Holy Spirit may need us to share our story with someone else. So it's at this point in the message, I really do want you to have a piece of paper and a pen out. I'm going to ask you some questions today that I want you to write down. You can use your notes app in your phone. You can come back and listen to the message later. Even the people who are watching at home, I want you to do this exercise with me. Say, Pastor, this is really weird for a Sunday. It's needed, okay? This isn't going to be weird. It's going to be straightforward, and it's going to be really helpful. Your words and your story can impact others. So the first question that you need to write down is this. What was my life like before Christ? What was my life like before Christ? Take just a moment. It's going to be an awkward moment for those watching at home, but I want you to take just a moment and think about what was your life like before Christ. Think about key words. Think about things like, I was a rebellious teenager. I was raised in church. What, what was life like, though, before you met him? I was full of fear. I was self-absorbed. I was addicted. I was broken. What life was like before Christ is something that can resonate in the heart of the person that you share your story with. And I want you to imagine this role play. I didn't really prepare any of you to role play with me today. But I want you to imagine this role play with someone at your job, someone in your neighborhood, someone that you know. You're not just going to run up to them and say, my life before Christ was just like this. That's not what we're talking about. And I try to make light of it so that you realize it's really easier than you think it is. Developing a relationship with somebody and sharing some time with them and getting around to the fact that, hey, you know, you, you seem to spend a lot of time on the weekends at church. Tell me a little bit about that. And they open up a question and then you can start walking through your testimony. So what was your life like before Christ? What did your life revolve around? Where did you get your security or your happiness or your identity? Was it in money? Was it in relationships? Was it in something besides Jesus Christ? Was it pleasing people? Was it all about get, get, get more possessions? So what was my life revolving around? That's an, a good way that you can answer this question. And then how did those things let me down? How did I end up coming to the end of my rope? Not like the drug addict who finds himself homeless, but maybe your story is different than that. How did you come to the reality or the realization that you knew you needed God? Were you empty inside, depressed, disappointed? You got all the things, but then you didn't, you really had nothing significant in your heart. You knew there was something empty and, and you knew you were empty and you needed something to fill that space. I remember going on the mission field and um, I've been on the mission field 
more than a dozen times or so, like foreign away from here, you know, in, away from America. And I remember going as a teenager on a trip to Mexico. And I just thought I was going to be on a vacation a, a little bit. I didn't realize how much uh, sweat, blood, and tears would happen from that first trip. I've talked a little bit about that before, but I remember when we got there, uh, they started to say, hey, listen, we're going to have all the teenagers act out this skit. The language is a barrier. Not everybody knew Spanish who went on the trip. So we're going to have some music play and we're going to act out the skit. Some of you who might know where I'm heading with this, uh, you might have seen this skit in a church in the 90s here in America. And that is there's a cardboard heart with a cutout with a hole inside of it. And the, the drunk comes walking up with the bottle of alcohol and tries to fit it in the heart and it just won't stay and it falls out. And then the next thing and the next thing and the next thing in this skit that gets played out. And then the reality sets in that the only thing that can actually fill that heart is God himself. That's the same sort of thing that we're talking about today. So how did those things let me down? And then this question, which you should write down, it's been on the screen here now. How did I come to know Christ? So when was the first time that you heard the gospel? Somebody like Sean might take for advantage that he has been raised in a good godly home, that he's been going to church. Your kids might do the same thing. My kids might do the same thing. But maybe it was different. How did you come to know Christ? What was your initial reaction I can remember myself when I turned myself to God that I was surprised at how much he loved me. There was a recognition inside of my heart that the God of the universe knew me by name and wanted to be my friend, wanted to be in relationship with me. So did you find it hard to believe that God loved you? How how is it that you came to know him? Was it in a Sunday school class Was it in a hotel room? Was it as a result of a neighbor or a friend? I want you to seriously actually think about that this morning. This is you building your testimony and being able to promote that or speak that in a quick fashion with those who ask. When and why did your perspective on Christ change? Was it a verse that you read? Is it something that somebody said to you that all of a sudden a light bulb went off and clicked and then you made the decision. And then if you're really honest about it, when you came to know Christ, did you have any struggles in that moment believing what they had said or the verse that you might have been hearing? When you finally decided to give him your life, what went through your head? Were you, were you perfect instantaneously? Did you have a struggle afterwards? Like, That's the kind of stuff, because we don't want to paint a perfect picture. Being a Christian does not mean you're perfect. Look at your neighbor and say amen. Amen. Becoming a Christian does not mean you're perfect. It means that you are on the road to perfection with God's help. But we should not present ourselves as, hey, this is me with all my makeup and my best dress on. We should present ourselves as, yeah, this is the ugly reality of who I am. I'm not saying you're ugly without makeup. I'm just moving on. Um, The next thing is this. This is the third and the last thing. My life after coming to Christ. What What is my life like these days? If I didn't come to Christ, 
I would probably be owning a restaurant and living a life that is unsavory. I love, I love food, love the kitchen, love the environment, all of that fun stuff. I would definitely be doing that if I did not come to know Christ. But I came to know him. He changed my direction in life. He gave me a hope and a future that I didn't have before. You say, Pastor, really? It's been a while since we've tasted your cooking. I know. We should have, a, we should have another Sunday when we have a picnic. What was my life like after coming to him? Talk about specific changes in your character. I'm going to give you examples just so that you can hear me and understand. Before I met him, I struggled to find peace. But now I live every day having a peace inside of me that surpasses even my understanding. I don't even understand how peaceful I really am and how I got this way, except for I know that God is working inside of me to give me that peace. Maybe you were angry. Maybe you were an angry individual before you came to faith in Christ. And now that you've come to him and surrendered, surrendered your life to him, maybe now you're a person who has joy overflowing and you're no longer angry, and you're no longer bitter, and you're no longer this or that, because Christ has changed you. Maybe you could say something like, I was depressed, I was afraid, I was self-absorbed, but now with God's help, he's working those things out of me, and I'm trusting in him every single day. This is what building a testimony really is all about. So what motivates you now? What do you live for? The person who might have been self-absorbed would have an opportunity to say in their story, because of what God's done in my heart and my life, I now put others first. I serve in my church. I do this. I do that. I'm no longer who I used to be. Amen? Maybe if you are the angry individual, I am the husband today that God wants me to be. I'm no longer that angry individual that everybody knew and everybody feared. I am now this way because of Christ and his work inside of me. So even though our lives are not perfect, knowing Christ helps us deal with that. And we have a hope and a future. Amen. And so we want to share this story, your story with others. You say, well, pastor, what if I open my mouth and I forget John 3.16? Will you be okay? <laughs> will, you, will you be okay? You will. What if I, for, what if I remember John 3.16 and then they say, where is that? But then I forget the reference. Pastor, I'm freaking out. What do you, I can't do this. Yes, you can. You can share your story in a way that helps others realize who God is to you and what he's done inside of you so that they can have that same inner peace, that same joy that you found, that same strength that you now have. So those three questions, roll through that real quick, Miss Christine. What was my life like before Christ? How did I come to know Christ? And then what is my life like after coming to Christ? You notice I didn't tell you that you need to memorize 10 verses from the book of Romans about what we used to call the Romans road of salvation. 
yes, the Bible is really important, and you had better be preparing that as well as your story. But I think the biggest hurdle that we face is the awkwardness of actually talking about who we were, what God's done, and who we are now. We don't get that far because we think we have to have a a degree in theology. And that's not the case. Paul didn't. He was, he was raised and taught by some leaders back in those days, but they were not people who knew Christ. So Christ had to teach him all those things. So yes, learn some verses in the Bible. If you're the person who was angry and now you live at peace and you have joy unspeakable, then find a verse to stand on as the, the thing to help you back up your story. But I'm telling you, you don't have to have a whole book of the Bible memorized before you open your mouth to share your story. So you've got some homework this week. I want you this week to fill in the blanks and the answers to those questions. You can really share your story in 30 seconds if you get good at it. You could share it in three minutes comfortably And if you had coffee with somebody for 30 minutes, they'd be able to know all the details of what God did in your life. Maybe all of us don't have that opportunity to meet with a coworker for 30 minutes or this or that, but we do have the ability to inject God into our daily conversations. People start acting a little different. I don't know if you noticed that once they know that you're a Christian. I have people that work for me who um, apologize immediately if they haul off with a word that isn't appropriate. Um, And they, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, forgive me, Uh, that kind of thing. They act a little bit different, but they know that something's different about my life and they are interested. I've had several conversations with people individually and I think that you have some opportunities that you may have missed. Would you agree? that there are probably some opportunities you may have missed to share your story. And it's most likely because you were ill-prepared or not prepared. If you can just get answers to these three questions, you'll be able to share your story. Worship team, would you come? So share your story. They're going to ask questions. It's okay if you don't have all the answers. It's okay to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. That's okay too. But then you say, okay, pastor, but then like what happens after that? If I I share my story with them, I've shared a verse or two, they understand that God loves them. Am I supposed to pray with them? (laughs) What? I have to speak out loud and lead them in a prayer? Listen, it's so simple. You can just ask the simple question at the end of sharing your story of how does that sound? Would you like to have that same peace that I've found? Is, is this something that you would like in your life too? Would you like me to pray with you today to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Because we can do that. And then lead them in a prayer that, that helps them confess their sins before God. I'm a big believer in this. The word of God is a believer in this. The word of God says this. We are to confess our sins. 
So I tell everyone I get to talk to, teenagers, senior citizens, everybody in between, when you come to a moment where you're about to confess your sin before the Lord, don't cop out and just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. You know I need you. No, talk about what you've actually done. Lord, I've lied, I've cheated, I've stolen. God, I've hurt others. Lord, I've broken relationships. I'm so in need of you. Confessing your sins, that's important. Believing that Jesus is the Son of God and that he loves you is the undergirding truth of all of this. They've got to understand that Jesus is God's Son and not just understand it in their mind, but as the Bible says, believe it with their heart. And when they do that, the Bible says they shall be saved. So you say, well, what do I tell them after we've talked and if they've actually gotten to the point where I could pray with them and maybe they turn you away. Maybe they say, you know what? I'm so glad that made such a big impact in your life. I'm, I'm just not ready. I just, I don't feel like that's something I want to commit myself to. Am I never going to see them again at the water cooler? Am I going to dip down the other hallway so that I can avoid them? No, I'm going to keep loving them just the same way I did before I shared my story. And someday, somehow, God will use the seed that I planted to be able to make a difference and an impact. So when they come to the place of believing and then confessing their sins, giving their life to Christ, as I believe many of us have here in this room, I think it's really important that we need to talk about, we need to give him all areas of our life. If he's truly our Lord and our master, that means all areas. And then all you've got to do is give them some easy next steps. They can download a Bible app. You can find a Bible for them. We have Bibles. You can take one and give it to them. It's important that they get into God's word. It's important that they find a church. It's important that they get baptized. And it's really important that they start serving. That's easy next steps. That's exactly what happened to Paul. That's exactly what happened to all of these others. Countless millions of people that we'll celebrate in eternity with. They believed. They confessed. They started to know the God of the word. They got baptized, many of them. They started serving. That's exactly how it's supposed to happen. Maybe you say, Pastor, I've shared my faith with at least 10 people every week for the last year. Awesome. You're preaching next week. For the rest of us, there's room for improvement. Would you stand with me? I remember my parents, and I was raised in a good home. Um, I love them to death. I talk about them with kindness because I, I truly am thankful for all that they've done and given to me. But I can remember coming home with a less than A plus. And I can remember somewhat in jest, but probably somewhat based in reality, my dad saying, well, there's two points for improvement right there. And you say, wow, pastor, that's the kind of house you grew up in. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter how good you are at this. There is room for improvement, amen? So be prepared and pray this week. Pray, God, help me speak to so-and-so, your coworker. You say, well, pastor, I'm not back at work. I'm doing Zoom all day long. Well, 
there's still an opportunity for you to share your faith in some way, somehow, and to make your story count for something. Would you close your eyes with me today? Maybe you thought about the person that's been heavy on your heart that you want to share your faith with, but you just haven't found the opportunity yet. Pray for them today. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I heard the simple message you preached and I haven't committed my life to live it for God. And I would like to do that. If that's you with every eye closed, all of our heads are bowed. Would you just slip up your hand and just say, I acknowledge that. I believe that Jesus is the son of God and I want to confess my sins and I want to walk with him. If that's you, if there's anybody here, I wanna make sure I give you that, that opportunity. And maybe I think this is true for some of us. There are some introverts in our, in our body, in the body of Christ here. And that's good. That's okay. Um, it would be a really sad state of affairs if everybody was as extroverted as I am. But maybe you've struggled with that because you're shy or because you, you're not very talkative. And you say, Pastor, this seems like a real tall order. I want to encourage you to just pray and ask God. He can use your story in some way this week and change someone's life. Lord Jesus, as we come before you in your presence, God, this last song of worship, we commit ourselves to you. Lord, we know the mission that you've tasked us with is greater and bigger than we could have ever imagined. We know that it will cost us something to share our faith and to share our story. God, I'm so thankful for people like Paul who sacrificed in order that we would hear the truth and know the truth and be set free. God, I pray that in this room, represented by each one of us, our students, our family members, our coworkers and bosses, and Lord, I, I know that there's an opportunity for us to share our faith and our story. I pray that you'd give us boldness to be able to do that even this week as we prepare our story. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen.